Hello and welcome to another week of the Ty Brown Show. So glad to have you listening. Tell me this, have you ever experienced the glory and the triumph of delivering a verbal knockout punch? Well, this podcast is going to focus on the rest of the story. That is, what happens after the knockout. By the end, I'm hoping that you may have realized that, eh, although you may have won the battle, you're losing the war. Podcasting from conciliators, this is the Ty Brown Show. If you're a human and you think you might have to interact with other humans at some point, and you like that to go well, then listen up. Oh, yeah. It's time to get cozy with conflict. Let's go. And we're back. All right, everybody. It's a red letter week because we have eclipsed the thousand listener benchmark. Yes, we had 1,028 listeners making it our best week ever and uh, first time over a thousand. So thanks so much for listening and for sharing this with uh, with your friends and your family. Hopefully everybody's getting plenty of benefit. Uh, and again, if, if you're a first time listener, the goal of the show, it really is just to help raise your social and emotional intelligence. Uh, it, it's to help you to be unafraid of conflict in your life. Uh, it's to help you feel like You've got power to improve your relationships by learning how to handle the conflicts that inevitably come up in our lives and to disagree a little better. And uh, we're calling this movement, uh, we're calling it the Dispute Resolution Revolution. Yes, welcome to the revolution. All right. Um, I had some feedback from some listeners last week and I thought it was really good. So I'm going to share it with you and hopefully we can incorporate some of this stuff. And by the way, if you ever have ideas um, for how to improve the show, let me know. I'm all ears. Uh, as you know, I'm uh, I'm learning here along with you. So uh, first thing was someone's, well, actually a few different people this week suggested, hey, maybe you could add some music to your intro. It would really spice it up, make it really nice. And I completely agree. Um, I don't have any royalty-free music or anything like that. But if you do, and you'd like it to be incorporated in the show, send it my way. Uh, also, a few people, and this has actually come in over the past you know, month and a half, um, I've had several people say, hey, maybe make these episodes a little shorter to squeeze them into my commute easier. I think that's actually a great idea. Uh, most of the episodes have been between 35 and 40 minutes. I'm going to try to sh- shorten them, cut them down to, you know, maybe 30 minutes, maybe 25. And um, there are a few people who have said that they actually would prefer more content. And uh, to them, I say, I why? I don't know why you would want that. Um, but, but thank you for letting me know. It does make me feel good. It does. Uh, and then this other suggestion, this one I thought was really clever, and it was to do a Q&A segment. So each week, you know, I can take a question from a listener and try to, I don't know, try to share it, uh, share some thoughts, some theory, um, you know, whatever, uh, whatever content I might have that addresses the question here in the show. Um, so I've, I've got a question. And by the way, if you have a question about like, hey, how do I handle this situation or what about this issue or I don't, whatever your question might be, uh, shoot it to me in an email. You can email the show. Our email address is stories at the or you can just like 
just tag me in like a Facebook post or whatever kind of post you do. Uh, this week, I had a few different posts on LinkedIn from, from other people, and, and that's where we're going to take our Q&A this week. So anyway, send me questions and uh, let's talk about these things. Okay, so that's, um, that's it for uh, all the housekeeping. I have a guest on the show today, and we're going to be introducing him, but I'm going to keep his identity secret just for a few moments longer to build the suspense. But I will tell you this, he's amazing, and, um, and, and you're going to want to stick around for the next couple of minutes. All right, um, before we dive into that, though, let's go ahead and review, recap what we talked about last week, which was empathy. Uh, last week's episode, I probably got more positive feedback on it than, than I've gotten on any other episode so far. And uh, I, I, a lot of times I'll go back and listen to these, uh, not because I'm vain. Well, I am vain, but not that's not why I listen to them. I, I listen to them because I want to try and, and learn a little bit about how to do this better. And, um, and a lot of times I kind of cringe throughout. But last week's I thought was really good. And I actually had some good ideas after the fact after listening to it for a little while that made me think, gosh, this is such an important topic. Um, empathy is, is so central. It is really the nucleus of being effective in communications, particularly when opinions vary and the stakes are high. So I'm just, I, I'm just um, really excited to give you part two on empathy today. And, um, and that's, uh, that's kind of where we're headed today. All right, so let's dive into. Uh, <laughs> we're going to do our Q and A. It's also serves. It also serves as a review of last week's. So this week's Q and A comes from listener Greg Johnston, creative maestro at Tamarack Capital. What is his title? Creative director at Tamarack Capital. Okay, um, so Greg Greg asked this on LinkedIn. All right, he says so philosophical question, Ty Brown. Where empathy is ultimate understanding, sometimes you can't understand unless you've gone through it yourself. In those situations, is empathy then to acknowledge that you can't fathom exactly what it feels like, but that your heart feels to the extent that you can imagine? All right. What a question, right? I mean, we're getting, we're getting serious. This is like the nitty gritty of, of, empathy and human understanding. Okay, so to answer that question, uh, I gave I gave Greg my thoughts. This is what I said. Greg, I believe that our hearts and our brains have been created with the capacity, though not without tremendous effort and a lot of love for others, for us to understand and feel something that we haven't experienced. So what I'm saying there is, you know, there's kind of this assumption in Greg's question, which is, you know, where empathy is ultimate understanding. Sometimes you can't understand unless you've gone through it yourself. Well, I, I actually think I think we actually can understand, even if we haven't gone through it ourselves. Um, so anyway, I go on to say this. Basically, my philosophy is that there isn't necessarily a gap between what we can imagine someone is feeling and what they are actually feeling. Most often, I think the reason it seems like people can't really understand how we feel is more about our willingness to go there as opposed to our capacity to go there. All right. Um, I kind of ended with sort of a what I'd consider maybe a little bit of a spiritual tone here. Um, but I said that this power of vicarious suffering, which each of us, I believe, is capable of doing, that's what empathy really is. Uh, it's sacred and at the core of what I feel makes humanity so special. All right. 
Uh, Greg, Greg responded very graciously by saying, I couldn't love that more. Thanks for your thoughtful response. Um, well, thank you, Greg. And, um, and yeah, I'm glad that we could feature, feature Greg here uh, in his question. All right, send other questions my way, and we'll see what we can do. I can't guarantee a good response. In fact, it's probably going to be kind of a crapshoot on that. So good luck, but, but you know, should be fun anyways. All right, so now diving into part two. So conversation without empathy, what does that look like? Honestly, it looks like most of the conversations we have. Very often, we just don't, very often, we just don't have the empathy. I don't know why, we just don't. And, and these conversations, instead of becoming uh, a learning conversation where we're really understanding each other and communicating well, they're just kind of like an exchange of slaps. It's like, here, here's my message. I'm going to send it your way. This is my ammo. It's the blow. I hope it lands, you know, slap. And then someone else responds and says, okay, well, I'm not surrendering. Here's, you know, here's my ammo. I'm delivering this message. Smack right? Um, very often our conversations go like this, and it's a competition about who can win, who has the bigger guns, um, who can outlast the other. Uh, eventually somebody's defeated, and uh, when that happens, now that the dust settles, you look around and say, all right, what was accomplished here? Well, to answer that question, we're going to dive into our story with the one, the only, the famous, the infamous, Joshua Hogan. So by way of introduction, Joshua Hogan, um, Joshua Hogan, he's a, what, what to say about Josh? He's like, he's that kind of guy that for all of you dads out there who have young boys like I do, he's the kind of guy that you want your boys to grow up to be like. That's, that's Joshua Hogan for you. So um, we're going to go into our stop hitting yourself segment here with Josh. Um, Josh, Tell us a little bit about um, tell us a little bit about your experience um, where you've seen kind of people exchanging these verbal slaps and uh, where it got them. Okay. All right. So in my story, the spark of the story really didn't involve me at first. It involved two other people, and just in this last year of high school, our senior year, and it involved my twin brother Noah and our really good friend Sage. So we're we were in this. Uh, it's a class called American Problems, just all about America, the good and the bad. And all we talk about is um, how America has gotten to a certain point, why, why we're here today, and why we have certain political views, and how they impact um, other views. So we had, we had a lesson on gun control one day, and like I said, I won't get into the deep stuff. Oh, please do. <laughs> <laughs> I think I could probably be a little biased on that, but... Um, that, well, that well, that's the funny thing about it is that's how this argument started. What I what um, this story um, really brought was two people, you know, learning learning how we got to this point on the views of gun control, Democratic Party viewing one thing, the Re Republican Party viewing another, and then stuff in between. And uh, our teacher did really really good at explaining just both sides. He wasn't biased. He's always been good at that. And uh, that class ended that day. And I recognized my twin brother because I always walk with him everywhere. And I walked up to him and I recognized he was talking to our friend Sage. And they weren't just talking. I could tell they were kind of throwing some meat at each other because their faces were getting red and uh, voices were going higher. So I recognized that they were actually talking about what we were just learning in class on gun control. And 
uh, my brother views one side of the spectrum and uh, Sage views another side of the spectrum. And um, they, they weren't really trying to understand each other's points of view. All they were doing was, this is why my side is right. And uh, Sage was doing the same thing. So I, I recognized like, okay, this is gonna be interesting. Where's this gonna go? So it went on for five or six minutes, made us late to our next class. But I saw that Sage brought some points up about her side of the, her side of the view and then Noah had really good rebuttals to it and she got really frustrated and didn't really explain why they believed that they just explained like why this is right in their own opinion so I recognized after it ended uh, Sage left she was pretty frustrated and Noah left turning to me like "Ah, I just I just owned her so I, I kind of left, I was like, you know what? I kind of agree with you. Like looking from my view, I, I know I'm biased, but I saw like, yeah, you won that comp- you won that uh, argument, Noah. But I still recognize, um, luckily I saw her at lunchtime. So it was, we had one class and then lunch and I saw her in the hallway and I still recognize she was, <laughs> she was still thinking about that conversation she was having with my twin. So uh, I, I just asked her, I was like, hey, do you want to talk about it? I was like, she was like, yeah, sure. So we went to the library and um, I just asked like, tell me what happened. Like, how did you guys get on this conversation? I know we were talking about it in class. Like, um, tell me like what you were telling Noah, how it got him mad and then how he got you mad. And she told me and automatically when she was telling me her side, my first reaction was, wait, you're wrong. I, I was thinking that like no I don't agree with that at all but I realized and I don't I first off I want to say that my brother Noah's probably one of the greatest guys I've ever met so um, lucky for me I just got to learn from his experience with Sage not to try to rebuttal her because they didn't change each other's views at all they in fact probably dig deeper into their own <laughs> roots of what they believed so um, I learned right there. I was, I mean, I really wanted to be like, oh man, Sage, I, you're so wrong. But um, I recognized that that wasn't going to change anything. And all she wanted was just talk it out. And in fact, what I asked her was, explain to me why you actually think or why you actually um, look in this view. And I didn't ask like, oh, tell me why you're right. Just say, explain to me, you know, why you th- why you think you're right why you think um, this is better than the other. Maybe some sides have similarities, some sides have good things about it. So she explained to me about like, oh, how she grew up and certain experience she had personally with um, gun control. And um, though I really didn't agree with her on what she was saying still, I was actually able to understand a lot more why she believed it. I wasn't able to, I didn't get mad at her um, when she was telling me why she believed this side, I actually was able to comprehend really, man, how did you come to believe this? I think that's so false and it's a fallacy what you're believing. But um, what she told me made a lot of sense. And to a certain point, I kind of was like, you know what? If I grew up in your circumstance, I might have believed the same thing you do. And then I actually said, you know what? Thank you for telling me that. Can I explain to you why Noah thinks this way? Because I know him personally very well, of course. He's my twin brother. And I was able to tell him this is how we grew up. This is how we were taught. And this is experiences that we've had um, based on this subject. And she was able to understand a lot better. And luckily, she even noticed 
um, that rebuttal, trying to rebuttal me wasn't the best thing either because I wasn't really stating my view. I agree more with my brother, of course, but she's able just to be like, I understand. I understand that. And she asked questions. She asked questions more in depth of, oh, like, why did your parents teach this? Okay, explain to me why they think that. Um, uh, what does that lead to? And I know this is all vague, but once again, I, I don't remember the conversation really and don't want to get too in-depth because, like I said, I can probably be pretty biased. But um, I just recognized there that luckily I wasn't the one. Um, I wasn't in Noah's position, position at first because I believe it was Sage that came up to Noah. So the thing about my brother Noah, he's very into politics, and all of our friends know that. And I think Sage wanted to come up to him and try to prove him wrong on this subject. And luckily I wasn't in that position because I would have done the exact same thing Noah did, um, just try to prove her wrong. And in my view, I said I still think he won the conversation, but no one really won because he left feeling good about himself. But the next day, I mean, you got a friend mad at you. That's all you've got the next day. <laughs> That's what you want. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I just recognized that, you know what? I'm glad I did that. I actually understand better why she believes that. I don't believe, I don't agree with her, but I actually, I do get it. And um, that actually helped with um, the rest of the year in that class. So that, that class lasted all year and um, helped in the rest of the year with that class, really trying to understand the different side, the different point of views um, political parties had and then different people had throughout history. Um, wow. So, so it kind of set a foundation, kind of laid a foundation for you to discuss this kind of thing going forward. Is that right? Oh, oh, it definitely did. And um, I've been able to do stuff like that before, but not to that extent because uh, both me and my brother actually are very into political stuff. So we would always get in arguments when we were younger um, with other people. We usually agree on most things, maybe not some things different, but... Um, I, I kind of regret some things I did in the past because sure. I sure. all I did was try to prove someone wrong yeah. and then I either left mad or they left mad or maybe both of us left mad because yeah. we still think we're right no matter what. Yeah. So. Okay. So let me ask you this. So why do you think why do you think it's so easy for us to go into these conversations uh, with the objective of winning the battle and proving that we're right if if there's really nothing to gain except for uh you know a, a rocky friendship yeah why uh, do we do that? that's a good question i mean it shows i don't know exactly why maybe but it shows naturally i automatically thought of rebuttaling what sage was telling me and i think that comes as human nature trying to yeah. prove to someone that what we believe is right and sometimes we even we know we have opinions but sometimes we think those opinions are facts mm -hmm. and we don't really understand why you think that way we just always think like oh man you're just you're purely wrong you're obviously wrong yeah. and this is why um I, I i don't know exactly i think we just want to want people to believe what we what we believe yeah. makes it easier and so, so there, that brings up a good, a good point. So we want people to accept our views, uh, and that's kind of part of our human nature. We want to feel acceptance. Um, but in this case, you know, it sounds to me like it didn't bring Sage any closer to accepting Noah's views. Not at all. Not at all. Noah's, yeah. Not at all, Josh says. Okay. So I wanted to just do just a really brief 
a really brief uh, analysis or explanation of kind of some of the principles I see in operation in this story that Joshua shared with us. So first, uh, first, uh, I guess the most important thing about this is uh, Noah. Noah has kind of a silver tongue. I mean, this guy can land punches. Like he's like uh, he, you know, he's he's a lot like uh, he's a lot like a lot of great lawyers. Um, and I, you know, I'm a lawyer by profession, and I've kind of tried to hone in the 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 uh, verbal cage match, you know, wrestling moves. Sure, but the the really important principle that I heard Joshua explain is that despite making some really forceful and persuasive points and, and maybe even coming out on top on this uh, argument that his twin brother Noah had with Sage, it didn't change Sage's views at all. So did he actually win? I say I say not. I say not. It, it, in fact, it didn't. Not only did it not even change her views, it probably cemented her own views more, and it probably made the future interactions that much harder. Now, fortunately, in this case, there was a bridge built and, and things reconciled. And um, and the reason that happened is because there was there was a realization. There was a a, a realization that there needed to be a little bit more understanding, which is like code word for saying there needed to be a little bit more empathy, understanding where someone's coming from, why they feel the way they do. So Josh realized at some point, he says, you know, saying that uh, you're wrong, it just doesn't, it just doesn't work. If you really want someone to believe that they're wrong, the best thing you can say to them is you're right. It sounds stupid of me to say that, but it's true. If there's someone who I really, 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 really disagree with, I find just the slightest sliver of truth in what they're saying, the, just the slightest, even if it's a real stretch, and I say, you're right, and I point out the sliver of truth that I agree with, or, or, or instead of saying you're right, sometimes I'll say, uh, sometimes I'll, I'll say something like, well, I agree. And, and then I point out that sliver of truth. And, and what that exercise does for me, even though it might sound kind of mechanical, it forces me to put myself in their shoes and find the truth in what they're saying. It's a, it's a trick to help you empathize when you're feeling a lot of emotion coursing through, when you're, when you're wanting to pounce, when you smell blood in the water, and you're like, oh my gosh, it's feast time. Well, if you can just pause and find the truth in what they're saying, it will have kind of a magical effect. And Joshua did this with Sage. <laughs> he did this when he when he says, explain to me why you think that. It's, do you guys remember humble curiosity? That was like the foundational principle of dispute resolution. So Joshua, he exhibited textbook humble curiosity. He wanted to know where this is coming from. Wanted to know why does Sage see this so differently? It doesn't make any sense to me why someone would think this. And, uh, and then he listened. He actually listened. And this, this whole process of, of finding the truth in what someone's saying, listening, all of this is Empathy 101, guys. Um, yeah, so listen, this is, this is big. This will change your life, right? He realized after listening, he said this. Did you catch it when he says, that actually made a lot of sense? Oh, my gosh. Well, it sounds like, sounds like he's losing the argument if the other person just made a lot of sense, right? Wrong. Wrong. 
that once once you can say something like that, that's when you have all the leverage you need to be able to be understood yourself. And that's when he asked her, hey, do you want to know why Noah thinks the way he does? And now say just curious because someone was else, someone else was just curious about her thoughts. This is amazing. This is such a cool story, guys. Uh, this is such a I actually heard I heard Joshua sharing this story um, with a small group of people at church. And I thought this is like this is amazing textbook demonstration of empathy and listening and dispute resolution. Um, the cool thing about it is, you know, we, we, I asked the question before, if you've won the battle, um, the dust settles and what have you won? Well, you know, in most cases, nothing except for a stressed relationship. But in this case, what was won after working through this process of understanding each other and, and getting to the point where even Sage was like, you know what, I get it. I understand why you guys think that way. And she didn't have to she didn't have to now agree with the position and and from what i can tell she she doesn't agree with you on that yeah joshua says no no well and that's that's not the problem that's not the point you don't need consensus to have the benefits of, of empathy you can still disagree and and the disagreement can can actually strengthen your relationship with each other and you can have a much more productive conversation and everyone gets a lot smarter when you can understand each other and, uh, and that's what we need. I mean, if, if, if everyone could discuss politics like Joshua, can you imagine what America would be like if we can say to each other, actually, you know what? I am curious to know why you think the way you do. I want to know. Oh, my gosh. Please do that. Please do that. The next time you're inclined to just pounce on someone, ask yourself, you know, why, why, do, you think, why do you think that? Um, help me understand. And then see if they might return the favor. Ask them if, if, if they would be willing to listen to why you think the way you do. And, and even if no consensus is built, um, you will find yourselves feeling just a little more humanity in your life, a little more light, a little more love, and that's going to make you a lot more persuasive. And and I guarantee you, if, if you're going to change someone, it's not by convincing them that they're wrong, by telling them that they're wrong. It'll be by finding the truth in what they're saying, offering your own observations, your own beliefs, your own opinions, conclusions, interpretations, all of these things. And then they will open their mind just the way you did. And they might come around and start seeing things the way you do more. Um, so anyway, pretty interesting stuff from Josh. All right, guys, um, just kind of reminded me of, of one little thing here. Um, the way you see people, it really matters. And you can have people that you love who sometimes, even though you love them, you can start seeing them without empathy. Um, you know, I see this with my kids, right? They love each other. They love each other like fearsome, fearsome love, right? They are like, imagine all the puppies in the whole world bottled up into one little jar of love and poured down the throat of one four-year-old boy. That is the kind of love we're talking about here, folks. Despite that love, yeah, a lot of times these kids are in like these like these verbal battles where it's like, here, I'm going to throw this like grenade on you and see if I can win this one. And then I'm going to throw this grenade back. And it's because they're still learning. It's they're still learning how to understand each other. And it's hard to learn how to understand each other. That's why it takes so much, so much dang practice, right? Um, okay, so we, we talked a lot about in previous, I think one of the very first episodes, we talked a lot about keeping your light on in this this idea of as soon as you see someone with even a little bit of contempt you kind of turn off this light 
and contempt, you know, it sounds really forceful, but all it is is seeing someone as beneath consideration or, or, or deserving of your scorn. Um, this is really easy to happen on p political things um, because we just disagree. Anytime we disagree with someone, it's easy to do this. But your conversation will turn into a verbal cage match where even if you win, you actually lose. So in your conversations, try to distance yourself from contempt and try to improve your empathy and you'll get much better results in your relationship. Empathize everybody, listen, learn and understand, okay? All right, now I wanted to throw you this little bonus, this little bonus piece of info. I got this great insight while observing a birthday party for my four-year-old son, Marshall. It is his second day being four. He's quite enjoying it, I think. Yesterday was his actual birthday. And um, Marshall's big brother, Griffin, Griffin is five. He, Griffin loves presents. That is his love language. He is just like, oh my gosh, presents. Wow, they carry a lot of meaning for this kid. And birthday parties and presents, like, oh my gosh, it is just, it is just his jam, right? That is his jam. And um, it's always been hard when the other kids have birthdays and it's not his birthday because he feels jealous. He feels like, okay, well, like, when's it my birthday? And like, can I have some presents too, right? He's always felt that way. But yesterday was different. Something happened. Something amazing happened. This is, this is it. He taught me, he taught, he taught me something cool. So Marshall wakes up, it's his birthday. Everyone's excited, but no one's as excited as Griffin. Griffin is like bouncing with joy and giddiness and congratulations to his now four-year-old brother for advancing another year. And he's telling him, he's like, Marshall, there are presents. They are wrapped downstairs. You are going to love them. Like, let's go get, let's go open them because you're going to want to play with these right away. And, and he just made the whole day all about Marshall. There was no jealousy. There was nothing but sheer excitement and joy and love. And I was like, how is this happening? What, what, what switched? And as I pondered on this, I realized something amazing. Empathy has kind of a bad rap in that Typically, we think it's putting ourselves in someone else's shoes and feeling their pain, right? When we hear empathy, it's kind of like, oh, it, it hurts. Empathy hurts. To, to feel empathy is owie. It's owie. That's what we say at my house. But actually, empathy is much broader. It's feeling the pain, but it's also feeling, it's also feeling the joy. It's, it's being able to glory in the successes and the wins and the triumphs of someone else without feeling jealousy, without saying, I wish this was me. And I got to tell you, the skill of feeling positive empathy is every bit as powerful as the, the skill of feeling like the painfulness empathy. Because if we can celebrate each other's successes, we're just a lot more likely to have successes ourselves. There is a lot to be learned if we can jump on board when someone else is riding high and not bring them down. In fact, not only do we not bring them down, we boost them higher, just like Griffin did for Marshall. You know what happened yesterday as Griffin did this? His like, I owe you awesome birthday present score jumped up by like 20 points. And his next birthday is gonna rock because because we are just so proud of him. Like as a parent, you see a kid do this and it is just like, oh man, yes, this is good. 
I like I want to reward this kind of behavior, right? And so and that's true with everything. Anytime you get a chance to bolster someone, to support them, to boost them up, even when they're riding a little bit high, even if they're riding higher than you are, um, you are unlocking the keys to success, my friend. <laughs> you can't unlock keys. You're using the key to unlock the doors of success. That makes more sense. All right, guys. Well, um, after listening to this episode, I can almost promise you you're going to talk to someone before you go to bed tonight. And when you do, think about how they're feeling. Think about how they're doing. Think about what they're thinking. Try to understand them a little bit better. Go to where they are. Just connect. Connect. Make the effort to connect and understand how they feel and why they feel the way they do. Then let the dust settle and see what you've accomplished. I promise you it'll be more than you've accomplished if you were to argue a point with that same person. So with that, we're signing off.